I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, all ready to talk Raiders football with you. It has been a while, and uh, we are all just kind of still sitting here in this uh, paused sports world. But uh, the NFL train ha- has really, this whole time, kind of kept rolling on. I mean, it's been a virtual off-season program, but we've had the draft, we've had free agency. Uh, you know, really the only difference uh, between this off-season and, and a normal one, so quote-unquote, is that, you know, we weren't out there watching them uh, have OTAs and minicamps. They weren't uh, getting together um, as a full team. But um, so far, as... as as we stand here today, I mean, it's kind of plowing forward, semi-business as usual. Training camps will be at team facilities, uh, presumably next month, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, go about having an actual season. Yeah, it seems like now we'll have our uh, our test groups, both uh, baseball and basketball, are getting uh, ready to go. So we'll see. How I'm that still goes. not convinced baseball is going to come back. We'll see. Yeah, I know. Once the wheels start, know. like you said, once the wheels start going, I think they they're hard to stop. So I think. Um, yeah, players will definitely test positive. They'll be put on some kind of you know two week list, and they'll just keep putting new guys in there. So I think that's going to be the plan for uh, for all sports really. So I think um, I think we're uh, you know whatever happens, we're going to be uh, all all ready to go pretty soon here. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of skeptical about how it's all going to work out. I mean, everything sounds good on paper. It's really easy to say you're going to handle things a certain way, um, and then once those those positive tests are coming in, things can change really quickly. I think we've seen that just kind of in the country at large, even, you know, not to do with sports. And so I'm not, a, you know, it sounds good that, you know, the quarantine guys as they get it, but you know, what if there's a situation where a star quarterback or half the offense catches it, you know, like, I don't know how, how beneficial it is to practice at that point. If, if half the team is, is guys that aren't really going to be on the roster. So I, I think it's going to get a little bit messy here. Yeah. I mean, they really have to trust each other to go through the right procedures and do the right things because, you know, in football, there's, you can't really stay in a bubble, like how NBA, uh, what the NBA is doing, because you have to have your own practice facility. You have to have, to have your own practice field to practice on and, finding a pl- a bubble that's big enough to house, you know, 32 teams and it's just impossible. So, uh they're really going to have to trust each other to do the right things and unfortunately there's just so many factors that go into it. Maybe a family member goes out and catches it and gives it to somebody. So there's just it, it's it's going to be people are going to have to be really disciplined and um we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's no real precedent I think for this uh just it's it's going to be a- a wild season. I mean, we, we hope that there is a season. We, you know, it's obviously it's unfortunate if you're a team like the Raiders who is, you know, making their debut in Vegas and, you know, has this beautiful stadium that's uh, nearing completion. And we'll kind of get to that. Um, and, and they want to have, you know, Raider fans packing it uh, to the brim every Sunday and, and kind of seeing what this new uh, life in Vegas is going to be like. They're not likely going to have that this year but um you know Tashawn, now that you're you've you finally have made your way to vegas just kind of what what's the vibe so far in that city just as they get ready to to welcome this nfl team even in these kind of different times i still think there's a, a good amount of excitement there i mean just kind of driving around and walking around i've already seen a, a bunch of raiders gear um somebody that lives in my apartment complex like his seats are like have raiders covers on them and i was uh 
walking around in this outdoor mall the other day and they had like an entire like Raiders store with nothing but merchandise in there kind of packed out. And so it seems like the, the city's already sort of embracing them. I think we've seen that even, you know, with their their, you know, kind of voluntary player driven workouts they had, you know, that fans showing up just to watch that. And so um, I think whether whether or not, you know, fans or all, a large amount of fans will be able to attend games this year, I, I think people are going to be be pretty glued to it. At least that's the vibe that I'm I'm getting so far. I guess we'll have to see <laughs> how that changes once the once the season starts. But people are, are pretty buzzed up. Yeah, I mean, you got your first haircut in Las Vegas. How, how does the barbershop <laughs> feel about the Raiders over there? <laughs> yeah, this is a good amount of curiosity. I mean, my barber he's from Michigan, so he doesn't necessarily care too much about about the Raiders. But um, he was very curious about like how they're going to go about practicing and when the games are going to be back and that kind of stuff. One thing about haircuts out here, these these prices are crazy. I mean, I've never paid forty five dollars for a haircut in my life. That's a that's a culture shock. I can only imagine with the with the players that are paying for their haircuts. It's got to be in the hundreds. Did you have to tip on top of that forty five? Yeah, man. That, well, that included the tip. the The oh, standard okay, price okay. is forty, so I was like, I'll be a good Samaritan and add an extra five for the tip. I didn't really want to, but you know, <laughs> comes with it. <laughs> Were you uh, pleased with the uh, results? <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I posted it on Twitter. I gave a shout out to Jesse Granger, one of our colleagues at the Athletic. I mean, it, it was, it was, you know, if it, I have to see how I look in like a week. You know, if it's still crisp to see if it was really worth it or not. But at least the initial results, you know, I, I feel like it's forty five dollars well spent. I'm still haircut free in quarantine. I've uh, I've trimmed the sides a few times, but the the top is still uh, is still not been touched. How about you, Vic? How's the hair looking? Uh, it's all right. I've done the Clippers thing twice myself. The first time was really an abomination. I had to wear a, <laughs> wear a cap to bed pretty much because I'd <laughs> scare my wife and kid when I woke up in the morning. But uh, second one was a little better. I got, I'm getting the hang of it. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go to a barber. I'd, I'd pay whatever right now for a haircut, for a professional haircut. <laughs> You paid a hundred for well. You're, I mean, you're going to be going to Vegas uh, pretty soon. You're, you're going yeah, to couple, check couple out the couple weeks. So yeah. Are you getting Are you getting a haircut there? No, I can't wait that long. I got to uh, I got to go somewhere maybe undercover. Maybe I got to find a place around here where they can do one uh, on the down low maybe. But because I mean, some places are open in, in California, but Oakland's not. So I got to find a place where I can get my haircut. Yeah, Alameda County is like the last one. It seems like that's coming around to opening up restaurants and and whatnot. So uh, we're we're still here uh, here suffering and uh, and waiting. Um, but, uh, you know, Tashawn mentioned the, the player driven workouts and Vic, you kind of wrote the behind the scenes story of that. Now, this is something that has since in the last week or so, um, the NFLPA has told teams, has told players to stop doing these after, uh, we've seen, you know, instances of COVID-19, uh, positive tests coming up across other teams. I mean, the, the Niners had a, a hellacious week where, they, you know, Debo Samuel breaks his foot, Richie James, another wide receiver, breaks his hand, and an unidentified player tests positive for COVID-19. Um, so for the Raiders, I mean, obviously it was such a, you know, positive story kind of looking at, at the, these workouts that they were getting in. Um, do we know, have have they stopped them, and, and kind of what's the status of those right now? It's a good question. A couple of players uh, called me a snitch on Twitter because of my report about their practices. I know Eric Harris was joking. I'm not sure about Keyshawn Nixon. If he was joking or not, but I haven't heard a lot about uh, what's been going on since the NFL gave the recommendations. I think they are still doing some stuff on the down low, but uh, they won't. No more tell pictures. Me. No, they're not being as brazen. Like Tom Brady, it was yesterday, kind of posted yeah, on Instagram. No and he didn't care at all about what the NFL recommended. So I think um, you know, teams are going to get together. It just maybe won't be uh, as many Instagram shots, but I think they think it's important. I think they think they've been safe. Obviously, they can't uh, all get tested, but I'm sure. 
a couple of them have, and they're doing the distancing thing, and they're wearing the mask when they can. So I think these players at this point realize, you know what, it's probably going to happen. Let's get let's get ready and let's prepare the best we can. So I think it's important for the Raiders, especially. They've had thirty, what thirty five players come out, which is pretty amazing. The turnout in Vegas. So I think they're they're pretty fired up. So I can't, I can't imagine the NFL recommendation will. Uh, will discourage them too much did you guys see the new uh the new helmet proposal like the prototype with the the mask built in it looks like a, a motorcycle helmet yeah like the master chief a lot of sweat build up and i think i can't imagine that would be great to play football in but the thing about football is i mean the whole sport itself is not at all uh doesn't lend itself at all to social distancing i can't it's not really i mean on or off the field so i want you get over that hurdle i think the nfl will be kind of like you know what let's just do what we can do and and whatever happens, happens. I saw a couple of weeks ago, Jalen Richard um, on Instagram, he posted like, you know, those like ski masks that they wear when it's super cold. They like yeah. cover the mouth. Like They might as well just use those. I mean, that seems like that would be like a good, I'm assuming they're able to breathe out of those when it's like a blizzard. So maybe that's the move for everybody. Just wear those. I mean, Richard's yeah. one, of, one of the few guys I remember, Vic, you remember, uh, what a couple years ago when we had uh you know we've had in the last several years we've had a couple instances with really bad fires in the area and i remember he was one of the guys that um we had some practices that we were out there where you know the games those sundays were a little bit touchy like okay is the air quality going to be good enough for them to play and he was one of the guys that would come out to practice wearing a mask uh, on those days when it was really bad so i mean he's a guy that that does at least have some practice experience putting on a mask and uh and and trying to breathe through one of those you have a good memory wow i haven't that's impressive. Impressive recall. A random Tuesday practice. I think it was. No, I'm not gonna. Um, but all right. What what else is new with the Raiders? Uh, I mean, not not quite as new, but obviously since the last time we've talked, there was uh, the the Henry Ruggs the third scare with the the moving incident that um, appears to have been kind of something where uh, they they dodge that and it's not going to be anything too bad. But that was one of those that if if that had been bad, um, you know, and we still don't really, you know, like Vic, I think you wrote recently, we still don't won't really know until anybody actually sees him. But uh, that's one of those things where Raider fans just had to say, man, are we cursed here with uh, with, with our first-round pick? Yeah, definitely. I think you're always uh, always hire movers. Don't help your friends move if you're an NFL player. That's kind of rule one, I think, once you get the uh, draft pick status. But, uh, yeah, I think he's fine. I mean, we won't, like you said, we won't know for sure. But he appears he's uh, in Vegas now. You see him riding helicopters on Instagram. And he's uh, does not have any kind of uh, you know crutches or anything. So, apparently – he had him for a while, but I think he's okay. So I think that's nothing to be worried about too much. I think he's got an autograph signing in Vegas this week, so uh, maybe Tashana will get his autograph. There you go. It'll <laughs> yeah, be my way to get in touch with him, I guess. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he's elusive, huh? He's hard to get. Uh, he's been hard to get a hold of. Um, so I'm just, we're trying to do these feature stories uh, during the off season, and we've been unsuccessful with uh, Mr. Rugg so far. Gotta get in touch with Old Spice. Ah, that's a good idea, Old Spice. Yeah, get him a new robe. There you go. Um, you know, one other guy, uh, you know, Foster Moreau, obviously we had, saw the injury that kind of, that he had late last year, the ACL and, um, you know, but everything looks like he's kind of on the right path. I mean, we know he was one of um, on that promising rookie class and it looks like uh, things are going well for him. Yeah, hard to judge too much based on these videos we see, but it looks like he's doing well. It looks like he's made a good strides. And I think, uh, there's another video of uh, him playing golf with Derek Carr and the loser had to like scale some mountains. So he's scaling mountains. So apparently his knee's okay. So um, that's a good sign. I think obviously people thought they may have signed uh, 
Jason Witten kind of insurance in case Moreau was going to take a while. But I always heard he was on track. So uh, the Witten signing, we'll see what happens with that one. But uh, still, they have a lot of depth now at, at, at tight end. But they will not have uh, at tight end Nick O'Leary. Um, scary kind of deal there to Sean. Uh, what, what's the deal with him? A heart attack and uh, will not play this year. Yeah, it sounded like he was, you know, he, he was having some kind of discomfort um, in his chest. And he kind of was... Kind of had a lighthearted mood about it. Um, didn't think it was anything too serious. And he found out that he had a heart attack, uh, which at his age, I mean, at any age, it's scary. But particularly when you're an athlete in your 20s and you're fit, it's not something you really expect to get hit by. Um, and so he's essentially taking this year off just to focus on his health, of course, and make sure he's all right, not just for football, but for the rest of his life. Um, and so it's a... Uh, Pretty unfortunate situation for him, obviously. Um, you know, on the bright side, it looks like he's going to be up, be able to be okay and recover and, and survive and live his life as normal uh, moving forward. Gary, deal with O'Leary, and, and hopefully he will be able to make it back in 2021. I mean, obviously we don't know what kind of a, a role he would have had with the Raiders anyway, but uh, you just hope for the best with his health. Um, you know, and uh, an, another, uh, you know, a happier recent event, uh, Mark Mariota. Another scary thing, right? No. Scary. No? Okay, right, <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I just celebrated 10 years, so, uh, you know, it is. Uh, it can right. be a little oh, scary congrats. sometimes. Yeah, thank you. Um, but, yeah, Marcus Mariota engaged. He, uh, it's funny. You look at uh, – I was like looking at all the uh, – you type in Marcus Mariota, and you see all the uh, the headlines. Marcus Mariota is no longer a free agent. Uh he, uh, Honolulu Star Advertiser, uh, Marcus Mariota connects on hitch route. Um, people had fun with uh, with the headlines on this as uh, Mariota is engaged to his college sweetheart. Yeah, the cool thing I thought about this story was that apparently when he was a kid, you, know, you always write, what do you want to be when you grow up, your, your life goals. I think I want to be a professional kickball player or a cowboy or something. But uh, he wrote he wanted to be an NFL player. Kickball. I was a man at kickball. You guys are probably too young for kickball. I kickball. love kickball. Kickball was great. Oh, I played kickball. I was one of the in best elementary players school. ever of all time. I was like, <laughs> incredible. Uh, anyway, back to that story. So Mariota wrote down he wanted to be an NFL player. He wanted to marry a soccer player, which is pretty random if you're a kid. But And apparently his girlfriend uh, played soccer at Oregon. And that's how, you know, that's kind of cool. You take care of your, your life goals, bam, bam. So it's kind of cool. So do you think in high school he, like, went to the soccer games and was like, all right, I got to f- find a girlfriend here. This is uh... – yeah, you know, trying to make my my childhood dreams come true here. Yeah, I'm gonna ask him, man. We don't talk to him either, but whenever <laughs> I get him, I'm I'm fascinated by this. Like, it, you know, how did this first come up to be a thing? And like you said, how, how serious were you about it? Were you like stalking high school games? Were you like looking at <laughs> oh Jesus pro women soccer rosters as he got older? I mean, that's I'm very and serious to be clear, he that. was in high school too at the time. So oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying he's a, I'm not saying he's a perv. But I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. It's a fascinating uh, profession to pick out as your future spouse. I mean, it's kind of like I wonder what qualities he saw in that profession he thought would make you know the preferred life partner. So I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Okay. Um, by the way, uh, the World Adult Kickball Association uh, is the largest sanctioned body for recreational oh. sport of adult kickball. I don't don't know if there is professional kickball for you, Vic, but uh, there's maybe- not. If there was, I'd be doing it. So there's not. Trust me. I, I, I explored that option when I was younger because uh, I have scars from a kickball uh, still to this day. Whoa. Yeah. So I, it, it never got that rough when we played. 
Well, like um, my one scar, it's the one it's on my inside of my wrist. Like there was a ball. The playing one the scar. O- <laughs> He's got multiple <laughs> kickball scars. Well, the one that's <laughs> the biggest one I still like you can look at right now and still see what the hell is that was there was a ball going over the fence and I thought I was Ken Griffey Jr. So I climbed the <laughs> fence and I kind of reached for the ball. I didn't get it, but it was an incredible effort. And my hand kind of got caught on the top of the fence. So I was hanging by the inside of my ri- oh. my wrist on this fence. Oh, that was gnarly. But uh, anyway, it was still a great effort on my part. So for you, kickball, for us it was just like on a blacktop. We never really had any fences nearby. What what was what was your kickball experience? Was it a blacktop? Was it like on a baseball field? What Where did you play? Yeah. Have your, your, your great greatness playing kickball? It was a blacktop, but we had like a fence about, I'd say maybe uh, 100 feet out, maybe maybe 100 feet. Yeah, so like there were, there were home runs. There were like, you know, great catches or great attempts at catches. And there was, uh, it was a big deal, like the whole song. Like 10 on 10, we had uh, we had fights. We also had like, uh, <laughs> I mean, we also had like a, a tough club. Like it was, we had a weird school, man. We had like, we would fight and we'd rank the fighters. We'd rank them like, you know, in terms of who was the best fighter in your in your fourth grade class or whatever. So it was like, you guys had hockey rules. So like you could fight in the middle of a... Where did where did you rank in the, in the fight rankings? I knew that question was coming. I was always <laughs> second. And here's the reason why. Because my best friend was first. I'm just too nice a guy. I can't knock my best friend out. So I would take the L whenever we square it off but i was definitely very comfortable number two in the rankings this has been a nice uh divergence from uh from raiders talk to talk uh, kickball we're gonna start a kickball podcast i think uh Vic Taper, the ken griffey jr of kickball <laughs> yeah well almost but uh you know, janikowski would have been great at kickball i wonder if he uh thought about that as a career i mean i know he also played soccer but he probably would have ranked high in the fight the fighting ranks yeah, too. He'd be perfect he would kick the ball over the fence and, and beat your ass <laughs> uh, I think he probably chose the correct profession. He probably, of, uh, he probably did. He had more options than I did. Yeah. All right. Well, it uh, was kind of an exciting week uh, at the start of the week. Uh, the coaches got to be at the new facility. The new facility is, uh, I guess, done or at least done enough for uh, for the coaches to be out there. Uh, you know, Tashawn, uh, w- have you driven by the new facility? Kind of what are uh, what, what is that whole thing looking like out there? And what, what does it think it means for the Raiders to, to finally start getting in there? Yeah, I drove by it. I think it was my second week here in Vegas. Um, I had a late night where I couldn't sleep, so I went out and drove past the uh, both the stadium and the facility, and both of them were still kind of lit up to the point to where you could see them, clearly. Uh, they both look like they're pretty much, like, finished. Like, there's still some level of, like, construction to be done, but um, it's nothing major. Like, so, so I, I know there's been a lot of questions about, uh, is it going to be, you know, ready for training camp and, you know, all these things, and I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Obviously, I'm only seeing the outside of it, but... Um, it's not that far from, from where I live at. It's about a little bit under 10 miles. Um, so that'd be a nice little, little quick commute for myself. So I'm excited about that part. It was nice to know it's not super far. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see, um, the guys kind of get into the facility and get started. And, um, we're not quite to the point of having football back yet, but, um, it's just another sign that things are, are heading in that direction. Yeah, I wonder what it's going to be like as far as access. I mean, we talk about you know, the fans are curious of, of they'll be able to go to games and uh, you know, how, how I work with the players and, and the groups in large numbers. But I'm wondering with the media, like will the, will the access at practice, will it be uh, 
I'm sure locker rooms will be closed. That'll be a huge factor for us. But I think it'll just be fascinating to see what they do as far as practices and games, both home and away, and what kind of access we have. Yeah, I mean, coming from college football, that was one of the big things I was excited about. Was you know, college football, you almost you pretty much never get locker room access. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm covering the NFL now. I can finally get in the locker rooms. And then <laughs> nope. the coronavirus hits. And like, yeah, well, so much for that one. So, um, you know, but it even sounds like, I mean, I doubt we'll even be able to do scrums, you know. So I don't know if it's Zoom calls or having a pool reporter, which would suck. Or like, you know, I don't, I don't know as far as, especially as somebody that, you know, covering a team for the first year, it'd probably be a little bit difficult. Um trying to connect with guys in that way do the raiders even know what zoom is i think they're the one Apparently nfl not. team that, that does not know what zoom is <laughs> they do they find it challenging though they still have some problems with zoom so they're not uh we haven't had any zoom uh yet so i think that might be on the horizon but right now we're still the we're old school we're still doing conference calls and i mean they're not even really doing have they done any well they've done a couple right but not uh Nothing Not since the draft. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing. I mean, most teams have been putting players on, but uh, you guys have not uh, really been bothered by that because you guys are still getting a hold of players. And hey, I'd, I'd rather have players talking just to you than and to everybody anyway, right? So, all right. Well, it, the, the the virtual meetings those are those are now done, and and we wait to kind of see how training camp will be set up. What uh, what do you think? I think the, I think the last one's Thursday. The wrapping up, they would. I know in a normal off season, we'd be they'd be kind of in there in their break period until uh, until training camp but as those wrap up i mean it's it's not you know the same as them all being together but i mean you've heard some players talk about the benefits of them that you know and, and we'll see kind of what this does to football off seasons going forward but uh, players are getting a lot more time around their families and you know they're getting a lot more time to just kind of absorb and learn the content i mean do do we think that these virtual meetings have been pretty productive, even if they haven't been able to, to get on the field and do on-field instruction with the with the coaches? I, I think that it probably is. I mean, I think maybe we could be overestimating the um, the benefits of getting together. Because if you remember that one year where they didn't have an off-season, I think you know the, the Niners benefited a lot from Alex Smith getting the team together and going through the playbook that way. And it, it seems like that's what the, the Raiders are doing. So I, I think... You know, maybe, and, and I think it's, it's a benefit the Raiders that they do have a lot of players uh, returning on the offensive side where I, I think it's a little harder to, to learn things. Uh, so I, I think they'll, they'll they'll have the playbook down by, by the time training camps comes around. Yeah, I think the only people that may end up being negatively affected by this are, you know, all the newcomers, um, you know, the free agents coming in, and especially the rookies. Um Free agents, not as much, because obviously they've played in the NFL before, so they're fine. But, I mean, the rookies haven't even had an NFL practice, so they, don't, they won't have very long to adjust to that aspect, along with, you know, picking up the nuances of a playbook and technique and changing their bodies physically and things of that nature. And so I think maybe this year we'll see, not that there's always a ton of rookies, you know, making a, a huge instant impact, but I think we may see less of that this season that could be the benefit of a guy like rugs i mean speed is his game you know you eventually want him to to kind of develop you know the full route tree but uh you might be able to year one just kind of give him that limited route tree and let his speed just kind of take advantage and, and you don't you know he's not going to be as required to, to have a full grasp of everything in that playbook just give him give him three plays slant right slant <laughs> left go deep go <laughs> those are your three 
Get those down, we're set. I was going to say, like Ted mentioned with the offense, and I think that's a good point because there's only, I think, there's only one new starter this year in offense. I think the one receiver spot is the one spot we'll have a new person. But otherwise, that's 10 guys back on offense. It's pretty amazing, especially this year with the turnover and the lack of offseason workouts. That could be a huge edge for uh, for the Raiders. You know, and Witten will probably be a semi-starter. You know, they'll probably start, I imagine most games, they'll start in that two tight end set. And so he'll probably be kind of a semi-starter. But, you know, he's obviously not going to be like a 60-snap-a-game kind of guy. But, you know, there was all that talk about is Gabe Jackson. Are they going to move on from Gabe Jackson? This kind of offseason probably really benefits him that they did hang on to him. And now they have that continuity on the offensive line. Yeah, they have, a, I mean, they have definitely top, what, top three O-line in the NFL, probably, I want to say. I mean, they should be great. And I think that's great news for Derek Carr. Well, uh, what do we overall think of, of this offseason? I know if you guys haven't checked it out right now, we have on The Athletic uh, our Raiders fan survey. Uh, a ton of good questions. Just to, We want to kind of gather, you know, just kind of what, what the pulse of the franchise is from Raider fans. And, and the, the first question on there is, how would you grade the Raiders offseason? And I'll give a, a sneak preview right now. Uh, uh, a B grade is grading out at 71% uh, of the votes with uh, with an A from 20% of the votes. Those are the two highest. Uh, um, what, what do you guys overall think of this offseason? I think a B seems like a, a pretty reasonable grade when you consider they addressed linebacker with, with Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, you know, they hopefully have a really dynamic receiver in, in Henry Ruggs and, um, you know, add add some other little pieces here and there. We'll see if the secondary is upgraded. But a B for this offseason seems pretty fair for a team that, uh, you know, somewhat overperformed last year and, and could be poised to, to make a little jump this year. Yeah, I'd probably agree with a, a B. I mean, coming out of free agency, the only major concerns left in terms of starters were, you know, obviously wide receiver and cornerback. Um, you know, they, you know, address both of those positions, taking two players at each in a draft. I mean, obviously we'll have to see, um, as I kind of referred to earlier, how much of an impact rookies are going to be able to make. And, you know, in the course of one year, I don't know if they're changing the fortunes of, you know, those two position groups necessarily, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not all, you know, about the short term. You know, some of these are, are more long-term plays. Um, so we just have to see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, I, I think there were some, you know, people, most people I think are split on, you know, whether they should have taken, take, taken, you know, Damon Arnett that high, or even if they should have took, taken rugs over, you know, Lamb or, or Judy. And so that's, that's probably where, where the rub is for some people. But I think for the most part, overall, they addressed all other needs. Um, did they get necessarily the best option available for, for addressing all those needs? Maybe not. And so that's why I think, you know, what keeps it back from being a A for me. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just not getting a, a veteran corner. You know, I, I think they were really tr- pushing to get Byron Jones or Chris Harris Jr., uh, but they weren't able to do that. And, you know, yeah, addressing it with the first-round pick is ev- investing good capital into it. But, you know, when you consider that they're, they don't really have a lot of veterans or proven veterans playing quarterback for them, especially with the best corner being a second-year player, uh, Trayvon Mullen they just don't have a lot of um, experience in that position and we, we know we know how important having a strong cornerback group is in today's NFL so I think that's the only thing holding them back from maybe squeezing into the A minus range yeah B sounds good to me also I think um, you know I was excited about the linebackers I, you know, I mentioned a few times I think uh, Littleton and Korea Carlson could be the best they've had there for a long, in a long time and the draft picks I think are, are very interesting I think we'll know Pretty soon about, you know, Arnett and Ruggs and their upside, if those were good picks. I mean, they, they should be playing sooner than later, so we'll definitely uh, see them tested by the fire. I think um, 
And the quarterback stuff, we don't talk about that at all today. But, you know, they brought in Mariota for $7.5 million. So, definitely some uh, there's some competition there. Definitely pushing Derek Carr for the first time. I think in hindsight, if they had known that you could have gotten Jameis for a million or that Cam Newton would be out there, you might have done something different. But you no way you can know that back then. So, they had a plan. And they uh, they went with it, and now Mariota's the next in line. So I think it was again they held the needs. I think the safety one maybe one they still look back on and question if that went the way they wanted to go. But um, the quarterback thing, I, I think what Ted said, I think it's a good point. But I think Amak Kamara, I think is fine. I think he's probably better than Eli Apple, who was the first um, replacement they they they, um, they tried to get. So I think that's all right. I mean, I think cornerback should be. A, I like Trayvon Mullen a lot, so I think they'll be. A, We'll be okay there. What do you think the biggest thing that we've learned so far about the team? I mean, it's difficult because we haven't seen them. You know, normally we learn stuff in the offseason by being around the team, by watching them practice a little bit, you know, uh, just kind of seeing what, what the guys say when you talk to them, just kind of see how they interact. We haven't had any of that. So, I mean, is there anything that any of you guys can point to that, that you've really learned about this team, or is this still more we're going to have to wait until training camp, maybe even until the season. We don't know when we're actually going to see these guys physically play the game of football uh, before we can learn a whole lot. I mean, I don't think so. Not for me. The only thing I've really learned is they're very old school when it comes to, to media. <laughs> <laughs> the person I talked to is Mike Mayock three months in. So outside of that, I mean, not really. I've gotten to know um, you know, a few of the guys a little bit better on a personal level through some of the, the features and profiles that we've been doing, um, which that is fun and that's nice. But in terms of football, uh, I don't really have much. Ted, what'd you learn? I'm, I'm thinking right now, what have I learned? Uh, <laughs> I learned, I think... Uh, this was Vic's question, so he's got to have something good. Yeah, I got to have something. I think <laughs> I learned that they're, they're definitely serious about trying to open things up a little bit in offense. You got, we mentioned Ruggs. Uh, Lynn Bowden definitely at some point... Will be a guy they can use in many ways. The running back, maybe you know, slot, return kicks, and maybe you know, quarterback if if they want to get uh, cute. But so I think they definitely are going to try and make this offense more exciting than it was, and kind of open things up and kind of be more like the Chiefs than they have been. And that was something that John talked about, and I think he's serious about it. So I think um, if not, then we'll, I mean, these are bad moves. But uh, yeah, so I think that's something that I learned that definitely that that's the plan going forward, and they're, they're serious about it. As we get closer to training camp, what are some of the battles that we're looking forward to? I mean, I, I off the top of my head, we've already mentioned that the starting lineup on offense is pretty well settled. Um, we would think the starting receivers are Tyrell Williams and Henry Ruggs with uh, Hunter Renfro in the slot, and, and then it's you know kind of a battle for you know the last receiver spot there. Uh, defensively, you know the secondary, we're going to have to see exactly how that shakes out. I would think the de- interior defensive line. There is some questions, obviously. PJ Hall, Mo Hurst, kind of seen where those guys are as as they kind of enter a pivotal year of their career. Um, what other battles are you guys looking most forward to? Yeah, I guess the big one is is Prince Samukumar and, and Damon Arnett seeing. If, you know, with this truncated offseason, if Arnett's able to, you know, show enough to the staff to prove that he's ready to start from day one or do they lean lean on the veteran there, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably say the veteran wins out. But, uh, you know, there's a window of opportunity. Um, and then one that maybe isn't as much of a, a preseason battle, but maybe could become one as the season goes on. We'll have to see, um, you know, if LaMarcus Joyner is able to have a, a bounce back season at that nickel spot. If not, do they give, you know, Amika Robertson, you know, their draft pick this year a little bit more, you know, opportunity to see if he can maybe take over that role and then move Joyner somewhere else. So 
I would say probably those two are the, the, the biggest ones that I've highlighted. Yeah, I don't, not quite a battle, but I'm, I'm really curious to see how uh, Colton Miller develops. You know, he took a big step forward last year and, and played a lot better. Uh, but, you know, he, he still, I would say he played at an average left tackle level. But if he took his game up, it would really put the Raiders in a conversation for best offensive line in football. Uh, so... Yeah, just really curious to see how uh, Miller's looked. I think there was reports of him adding weight again, which is good because he still needs a little more functional strength. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just curious to see how he takes another step in his development. I got the safety spot that had uh, Demarius Randall and then Jeff Heath. And you got Eric Harris kind of all going for one spot across from Abram. I think that'll be a good battle. I think um, I like the cornerback one that uh, Tashawn mentioned and uh, – Kind of like the one in the D-line. Got Mo Hurst against all the Cowboys they brought in. Rod Marinelli, the new D-line coach, brought in two guys with him from Dallas. And you know, Mo Hurst is kind of uh, going to have to earn a new role, kind of have to earn a spot with his new coach. So I think there's definitely some pressure on him this offseason and, and this training camp. So those are the ones, to me, that, that, that jump out. All right, final topic we're going to hit here before we uh, take a few questions. Uh, I know Vic had this included as one of the uh, the questions on the Raiders uh, fan survey. And um, – you know, I, I know some of the comments there were, were some options that they wish had been included, guys that had been left off and wish it had been kind of a fill-in-the-blank. I will give you the, uh, the the nitty-gritty on why it was not a fill-in-the-blank is that basically the, the, the polls that we run through uh, – through Google Forms, if you do a fill in the blank, it uh, it essentially makes it almost impossible to sort through the results unless everybody writes and spells uh, the person's name exactly correct, and then it's still a lot of a uh, tabulating on our own. So came up with the uh, the six names that we could best figure out in terms of uh, underrated Raiders player. Um, and so Vic, uh, th- this was your puppy. Who who for you do you? consider the most underrated play, Raiders player ever? I'm going to go with uh, Greg Townsend. I think Greg Townsend's a guy that kind of gets slept on a little bit. I was obviously how long Hall of Fame player, had some great players in defense, but I don't know what his final stats were, but I think he had over 100 sacks. And definitely if you play today, the game's changed so much. Just uh, his pass rushing skills, he had a lot more sacks in today's game. So I think he's a guy people don't really realize how dominant he was and kind of got lost a little bit in, in the shuffle. But I think Greg Townsend is my pick. If we were to kind of narrow this down to like the last decade, just kind of this era of Raiders football, is, is there any names, uh, Ted, Vic, that you guys have in mind that are kind of underrated from this kind of current era? Hmm. Last 10 years? Five, 10 years, whatever. This kind of, this era. Michael Bush was pretty good. Michael Bush is a guy I thought uh, kind of got lost. And Derek McFadden obviously was, was the bigger star. But I thought Michael Bush did a nice job. And he was definitely a, a guy who may have gotten you know more love if he were somewhere else. You know, the one I'll say is, is I think Latavius Murray. I mean, he was – everybody kind of always, you know, harped on what he wasn't. You know, he had some ball security issues. You know, he was big, but people didn't see him as, as being a, enough of a, a tough enough runner. Like, he wasn't barreling over guys all the time. Although, I think his last year with the Raiders, he got a lot better in short yardage and found the end zone a lot more. But it felt like he was not quite appreciated. It was, it was a guy that people would get frustrated with pretty easily. A six-round pick, so definitely one of uh, Reggie's uh, best picks. Yeah. Anybody from you, Ted? I can't come up with one right now. He loves Maybe them Perry all. Riley. They're all... <laughs> <laughs> Perry Riley. He was <laughs> underrated. People loved him. Wow. People loved him. <laughs> People still want it back, probably. Uh, all right, well let's uh, let's move on and take some questions. Uh, we'll we'll let Tashawn tell us his his most underrated Raider in a couple years. Uh, but uh, um, all right, 
uh, first here from uh, from NorCal P. What would you say Gruden and company's biggest regret so far in this new reg- regime is? The Mac trade, not trading up for elite talent like Bosa or or something else. Um, Vic, biggest regret from Gruden, would you say so far? He would never admit to the Mac thing. No. And actually, and the picks have worked out pretty well. I'm gonna go with uh, Martavis Bryant. I think Martavis yep. Bryant, third round pick. Uh, even Antonio Brown, I think uh, he flashed enough in practice where the, that temptation was there. They knew why he did it. Obviously, it flamed out. But I think Martavis Bryant, just a daily frustrating thing for Gruden. He thought he had uh, gotten a steal, you know, gotten a receiver for a third-round pick and really just kind of uh, let that pick on fire. So I think uh, I'll go with the White Tiger. Yeah, I mean, like you said with A.B., I mean, obviously that, that turned into be, you know, way more of a disaster. But the idea behind it was, I mean, you can get a future Hall of Fame receiver, a guy who is still uh, one of the top three receivers in the game. I mean, you can put that on your offense. I mean, that, and we saw him in practice um, the couple times he practiced, and he was incredible. You can see what the upside there would have been, and I know he probably saw, you know, some pretty high upside with Martavis, but uh, that was... uh, was was pretty bad. If you look at trading away Amari Cooper and see what he's doing with the Cowboys, you kind of have to look at it and think like, you know, this is exactly what the Raiders need. They need a number one receiver. You know, they spend a, they end up for like a first round draft pick on a receiver, anyways. But you know, it, maybe there's this stuff there where it, he wouldn't have worked out with the Raiders, and he just needed a fresh start. Um, but I mean, when you just see the stuff he's doing with the Cowboys, kind of makes you think, you know. Maybe they, 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 they would have been better off trying to make it work with him. Yeah, it seemed like he just, for whatever reason, wasn't wasn't the same guy with the Raiders. I mean, that was on you know on the field um, and off. I mean, he it was like a, the personality just completely flipped as soon as he got to Dallas. So um, that whole tenure was was weird, and it was kind of weird how he just became almost a, a different person once he he got out of Oakland. But I don't think we'll ever quite know what uh, what the whole deal with Amari was. Plus, they gave him like what the Cowboys gave him like a hundred million dollars. That was never going to yeah. happen. I mean, that was always. No. Uh, the Raiders knew that was coming at some point, the new contract, and that just wasn't in, the, in their plans. So I think that one they can kind of look back on. Like, you know what? That just wasn't uh, – just didn't work. So we, we moved on when we could. All right, a question here from not a Raiders fan who uh, – I, I don't know why he's listening. But um, who do you think will be our defensive MVP during the season? He, he's not a Raiders fan, but he wants to know who will be our defensive MVP. Um, I think Max Crosby would probably be the uh, – the in-house favorite, uh, maybe Corey Littleton, uh, but uh, Crosby's probably uh, probably the favorite going into the year. Yeah, I, I think either him or Corey Littleton. I mean, Littleton just—he's been putting up you know crazy numbers and filling out the the box score every every game. It seems like so. Um, yeah, I would say those two would be the biggest candidate. But I mean, for a person that has a name not a Raiders fan to ask about a defensive player, maybe he's just trying to set us up to like, you know, be like, Oh, I gotcha later on. There's no defensive MVP. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it I'd have to go with Corey Littleton as well. Um, like Ted said, I mean he's been you know, racking up the stats the last couple of years. He's so versatile and I think um given the lack of starter quality depth at linebacker. I mean, he's going to probably be on the field the, the vast majority of the time. Um, whereas, you know, I'm sure, you know, with them giving Carl and Steve so much money that Max will at least take some third downs off. Um, so I, I think he'll have the biggest, biggest opportunity, whether the defense is good or not. 
Um, I think you have a pretty big impact. We all can't say Max Crosby. He'll get too, too full of himself. So I'm going <laughs> to go with uh, Trayvon Mullen. I think Trayvon is a guy who might get some more picks this year. I think teams will other teams will target him a little bit and he'll have some more responsibilities covering you know better receivers. But uh, I like his I like his uh, upside. I like his ball skills. I like his toughness. So I'm going to go with Trayvon Mullen making the big leap and having a bunch of picks. Uh, question here from Asher Matthews. Uh, are you aware of any differences in DL and D-line uh, assignment asks or position usage between Buckner and Marinelli? Or is it all just Gunther's system and a difference in how they coach it? Is anything specifically that Rob Marinelli is going to bring and kind of do differently that they didn't get out of Buckner last year? That's a great question. Uh, we haven't also gotten Marinelli, so I, I imagine he didn't come and just to like be a yes man. I'm sure he has his own stamp on things. I think that'll be part of the defense. So my, my guess is yes, but I don't know for sure. I think if you look back on what he's done, you know, he's, a, he's from a cover two type of philosophy. So he's used to coaching seven-man boxes, a lot of single-gap upfield stuff, which is what um, Gunther's system is supposed to be. Uh, so I think from a schematic standpoint, there's not going to be much different, but I think uh, techniques and you know the way they do things and, and the way uh, they call certain things might be different. Uh, maybe, maybe more stunts will be involved, uh, that sort of deal. Uh, but from a schematic scheme point, I don't think there's going to be too much right, of a difference. Final question here from J. Chris Baker. This is for you, Tashawn, um, as the guy uh, sitting there in Vegas. Uh, truth serum injected. What kind of home field advantage do you really expect in Las Vegas? I don't think there's going to be much of one anywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's maybe 2021. Be... <laughs> 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 no, I think they'll be pretty pretty deep. I mean, L.A. isn't that far away. Uh, probably a four-hour drive. Um it's a cheap flight from the Bay. Um, and then they have, as I said earlier, it seems like there's a, a growing fan base here already. And so if they have a successful season in 2020, I can only imagine that particularly with this new fancy stadium, you know, they'll be out in droves in 2021, you know, assuming that, you know, everything with the pandemic is has eased by then. Um, so I, I expect one for sure. I've said this before. I kind of feel like it's going to be similar to New Orleans, where New Orleans is, is a can be a great home field advantage for the Saints, but there definitely are games where, you know, we saw it uh, with the Raiders in 2016 where there was a lot of Raider fans in town, um, you know, saw them all on Bourbon Street going crazy. You know, when they had big moments in the game, uh, you know, that Jalen Richard 75-yard run, you heard the stadium erupt with Raider fans. I, I feel like it might be similar to that where it will be pretty intense with Raider fans, but there will be a decent contingent of, of people that just want to come to Vegas and are going to come and get tickets and they're going to go to games. And so I think you're going to see when, when other teams, you know, are winning, have moments that there will be eruptions when, you know, other teams come in and beat them. Uh, you'll, you know, obviously the strip is going to be, the strip is, is so much bigger than what New Orleans is. And, you know, it's, um, so there's always just going to be just general NFL fans. But um, I think you'll see, you know, a decent amount of, of visiting fans. But uh, to me, New Orleans might be the best comp. It'll be a big home advance for the Raiders reporters, that's for sure. I know the visiting <laughs> media is being for uh, some long nights. And like, <laughs> some of my, my worst mornings were in the New Orleans press box on those Sunday mornings 
my eyes were going to fall. Nashville. Uh, Nashville. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a huge edge for the Raiders uh, reporters uh, at home in, in Vegas. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We'll uh, try to figure out another time to come back to you when, uh, when there's more to chat about as we get closer toward training camp. Uh, definitely everybody check out the Raiders survey right now up there on The Athletic. Uh, we'd love to get everybody's uh, opinions on, on a lot of uh, interesting topics, kind of see where where the state of the franchise is and uh, Vic and Tashawn will uh, kind of analyze the results uh, next week and uh, they'll keep the content coming until the training camp starts uh, we presume sometime next month sounds good yeah. keep it coming sounds good catch you guys later alright thanks <laughs>